so, Father, we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we continue in our service, that you would continue to work among us, that our ears and our hearts would be open to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Please do take a seat, and Sue is going to come and bring us our reading. So the reading this evening is taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Uh, you can find that on page 1,227 if you're using the Bibles that are in your pew. Uh, I'll give you a moment if you're looking it up on your phone. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot live, love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Kai is going to come and talk to us and um, he clearly means business because he's rolled his sleeves up ready so uh, God is about to do something it's a sure sign you know the the sleeves go up and the spirit starts to move so (laughs) let's pray for him shall we 
Father God, we thank you for Kai. We thank you uh, for his ministry among us. Father, we thank you uh, for the words that you have placed on his heart for us tonight. And Lord, we just pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak powerfully through him, that each of us would have ears to hear and hearts to respond to your voice tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, um, lovely people, one and all, one again again. And to start off with, sleeves always should be rolled up. And it's good to see Sam doing the same tonight as well. And, and the word brother was used a lot in that reading that Sue read to us. And we basically are twins. That means, um, you know... I got all the hair. You got all the hair. He got all the hair, and I got all the looks. So we're kind of... <laughs> twins in that kind of way. But anyway... Um, Gosh, going back a few months, um, we as clergy team were planning about what to do on our mornings and our evenings and things like that, and we basically meet and we have some chats and suggestions about what to do and what kind of preaching series and things to follow, and I went away to have a look at our evening services and pray about them and share with the rest of the clergy for us to basically decide upon, and I wanted to do something that would show off that we've been to theological college. Maybe an abstract book from the Old Testament or something you have to grapple with Hebrew or something like that. Or maybe some really big themes for us to get our heads around. And in fact, I started making a lot of notes and all these things. And at one point, I was very much looking at doing something else on the gifts of the Spirit as well. But every time I started to write something, the Lord just kept putting a block on me. And when I started to write again, I just felt the Lord say, go for something on the fruit of the Spirit. And last week we began this series and Becky gave a lovely, wonderful overview of the fruit of the Spirit and really describing one of the really important points that it's not fruits, it's one fruit. You can't separate them all out. You can't slice them apart or anything. They all kind of come as one. But we also know that a lot of those words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are, well, basic themes. They're good Sunday school themes. And if you want to show off your biblical knowledge, perhaps they're a bit basic. But then I was also reminded that basic is good. Because basic is the fundamentals of our faith. And even though we talk about themes like love, joy, peace, etc., themes that perhaps we already know, especially if we've been around church for a very long time, we constantly need reminding of them. Because these also are the things that we drift away from the quickest. And that wonderful verse, that teaching of Jesus, that I always cling on to, when Jesus gathers the little children, it says, you have to accept the, the kingdom as a small child. We need to be reminded constantly about the basics of the faith and almost audit ourselves on how we are doing. And over these next few weeks, audit ourselves and our churches as to how we are doing against the context of the fruit of the Spirit. And even though we can't separate them, we are still looking at each of those words individually. And tonight, we have got the big word, the famous word, 
the magnificent word. The word is love. We've got tonight love. And love is this word that we know already is in everyday language. And whether we acknowledge it or not, we say it probably constantly every day. Whether it's I love you to somebody you're married to or live with or your children or grandchildren or whatever else or sing songs about love or say you'd love a cup of coffee, whatever it is, we use the word love so much. And in fact, thinking about Glastonbury that's happening at the moment and me flicking through because I try to act like I'm young and cool, the word love and music intertwined. Between 70 and 80% of songs that are written and have been written are on the theme of love. If you don't believe me, go and see Sam Bennett perform one of his acoustic gigs, or even better, book him for your wedding, and you will see that the word love is used constantly. And for us, of course, in church, as Christians, we know that the word love is all important. We know that the law is summed up with the word love. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. And we know, as we heard from that wonderful reading that Sue read to us, that God is love. And perhaps more the point, and certainly in recent years, if you ever see anything of the church from a secular perspective, maybe a royal wedding, a jubilee celebration, or something like that, we'll see a high-ranking person from the church talk, you will hear the word love talked about. Love has become a real narrative word of the church, quite rightly so as well. There are other words that we can use, holiness, obedience, but love is dominant. And the reason for that is God is love. And to begin with, when we think of this theme of love, while thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, we have to truly acknowledge that love is from God. And this reading that's telling us this evening that love by very nature comes from God. We are here as a result of love. God created the universe. God created the world. God created us in love. And that can be a bit of a hard concept maybe for us to get our heads around, but I really like this analogy that was put forward by Mike Pilavachi from Soul Survivor. And he compared God deciding to create the universe to a couple deciding whether to start a family. And they have a conversation where one says, shall we have a baby? And the other says, why? Because it says, because I really want one. And then they say, but hold on a second now, they're going to cost us a lot of money. They're going to take away our freedom. They're going to tell us that they hate us. They're going to want to drift away from us. When they get older, perhaps they won't even call us unless they really need something. They're going to cause us stress, pain, anxiety, you name it. Why on earth should we have a child? Well, let's do it anyway, shall we? And they go on and do it. And even though by logical terms, doing it makes no sense, it happens because of the love that that couple have. And you can apply that same logic to any place where you see love, the love that there is between friends, the love that there is in a church. Love, that can be difficult. 
Love that requires sacrifice. Love that requires us to give up our time, our energy, our resources. But we do because that love is so important. As God created us out of love, so love lives in us all. And that isn't limited to those who have faith either. It is my belief certainly that the reason why good things happen throughout the world is because all of us are created in love. And whether we acknowledge God or not, whether we are atheists or of faith or agnostic, we are still created in the image of God. And because we are created in the image of God, that love dwells within everyone. Love is there. Love is in us all. And the reason why the word love is used so often is because it comes directly from God and is breathed into the DNA of us as human beings. Love is everything. And as we say, in a faith context especially, love really is everything. God is love. Our great commandments are love. The whole law, if you will, and what we are called to do while here in this earth is summed up by the word love. What Jesus did for us is summed up with the word love. And for that reason, we use it all the time. But it's not quite as easy as that. Because the word love is so big and broad, though it's only four letters, it can be quite a hard concept to get our heads around. And yes, it gets confused with other things as well. It can be really difficult. So difficult that we can end up saying the word love and love, love so often that we forget to live it out. We can throw the word love around willy-nilly and say we're all about love and be obsessed with telling the world how important love is that we don't live by love. We're more obsessed with the word than what it means. And for us, we need to have some concept, at least, of what the word means. And thankfully, we got a bit of help because the good book comes open trumps for us, as always. And one of the most famous readings from the New Testament, you all know it, you all love it, it's a favourite of weddings, 1 Corinthians 13. We use it at weddings because the word love is often used at weddings, quite naturally, but we should never limit them to weddings because this is the love that the Lord talks about each and every one of us having. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but always with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Funny thing, I must have read that about a thousand times. And I read and I go, that's great. But this week, maybe because we're thinking about love, I got it in my head that if I was 
submitted myself as an essay. And this was the marking criteria for all you academics in the room. How well would I do? And if I was being honest, I don't think I'd have too many double ticks. And I don't think I'd have that many nice comments. I might get half a tick here or there, maybe heading on the right track from time to time, but probably not as good as I think. I'm probably like one of those students with hands in an essay going, that's it, that's going to change the world that is. And then they get it back and they've got like a 45% or something going, oh, what happened there? We need to sometimes evaluate ourselves. And when I was looking at it, I was thinking, yeah, my problem is sometimes I like to be mouthy and have opinions. And the thing about an opinion is your opinion is the only one that counts. I like to look at people and think they should be better without looking at the problems with me. I like to act like I've got it all together when, well, I don't. And anyone close to me knows that. I like to live my life sometimes like I'm on my high horse. And I love getting on my high horse. It makes me feel tall and powerful and like a medieval knight. And I like looking like that. But the problem is, when you fall off, it leaves a heck of a mess. What I'm saying is, we fall short of these standards. And in one sense, that's okay. Because as we also heard in that reading, we have the gift of forgiveness that is given to us through Jesus Christ. But that gift isn't an excuse not to try and be more loving. And maybe we need to evaluate ourselves all the more against this list. And when we want to share a lovely bit of gossip, say, actually, that's not loving. When we want to give somebody the up and down, go, oh, I wonder why they like that, acknowledge that's not loving. When we want to share an opinion that you know might be a little bit offensive to somebody and hurt somebody, acknowledge that that's not loving. When you want to slag somebody off hoping that they're not listening, acknowledge that that's not actually loving. And hold on to the power of love. Look against it. You know, the church loves to talk about love so much that they forget to look at actually if they are being loving. And the rest of the world sometimes see that as well. We talk so much about love that we don't always live up to the standards of love. And that's not good enough. Especially if this is the one word that we want to cling on to and say that we are all about. Love is so important. And it's so easy to forget that importance as well. Elsewhere in that reading from 1 Corinthians 13, we talk about if I speak of the tongues of angels, I do not have love. I am a clashing gong or a resounding cymbal. We can do all the showy stuff. We can do all the miracles. We can have a wonderful time of worship. We can have wonderful technology. We can have a tip-top building. But if we don't have love, we fall short. If we have love, it's meaningless. We can turn this whole building into the inside of PC world, but if we don't have love, people still won't come. Love is what people see, and love is what people need, and they need to see us acting it out. I remember when I was in my 
first year of college, theological college, coming to the end. And I'd had a wonderful year. I'd experienced some wonderful things, seen some wonderful teaching, and I'd had the privilege of seeing incredible miracles as well. I'd seen people have demons cast out. I'd seen people being lifted up. I'd seen real healings. And towards the end of the year, I met up with my old boss, who I used to work for in the Senedd. And we were having dinner together in Swansea. There were other people here as well. And I saw him outside. He gave me this massive bay hug. And he said to me, so what's the best thing that you've seen? Now, this guy I knew was on the edge, you know. He was the ultimate agnostic. He didn't want to go in for all that Christian stuff, but he didn't want to say there wasn't a God either. So this is my opportunity. And I started to list off all the wonderful things that I'd seen. All these miracles, all these incredible dramatic things. And he just stopped me and went, no, the greatest thing that you've seen is love. And he could have kicked me in the guts right then because he was right. My problem is I wanted to show off the power and the kingdom of God so much that I forgot that all those things are pointless without love. I was almost looking for opportunities at that point to do things to demonstrate power. But that wasn't of God. That was Kai Reese wanting to look powerful and a good vicar in training or a good pastor. Actually, the love is the thing that needs to drive all of those things. And if we don't have love, we'll fall short. You know, people can see through it as well. We can walk around with smiles on our faces singing zippity-doo-dah, but people know that if we're fake, we're fake. People are very perceptive. And people expect us to be loving. People expect the church to be loving. And what's more, some people will really gloat when we fall short as well. Years ago, I used to work with a guy, and he was actually a really nice guy, but he hated Christians. Um, so when I was in an office with him, it was a bit awkward at times, but we were all right. But he had a hobby when he was in university, and that was to wind up members of the CU so much that they would get cross with him. And when they got cross with him, he would say, that's not very loving, is it? He kind of got off on doing those sorts of things. And occasionally, people would slip up. And he tried pushing a few buttons and stuff with me as well. But the point is, he needed to see Christians acting like Christians. I'm not even sure that he couldn't acknowledge that there wasn't a God. What he couldn't acknowledge was what he perceived to be hypocrisy. The stakes are really high for us. People expect us to be loving. And what's more, they should expect us to be loving. We've heard a lot in recent weeks about the cost of living crisis. And I've been a bit outraged, actually. Every time the word food bank is mentioned, the word church and Christian isn't there as well. But maybe the reason why it isn't there is because people expect us to do those sorts of things because we're Christians, because we talk about love so much. And if we want a few feathers in our cap for doing those sorts of things, then maybe we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We should be motivated by one reason and one reason alone. And that is 
the love of God and doing things in the love of God. When I first passed my driving test, I decided what I'm going to do is get a fish. And what I'm going to do is stick it on my car. I don't have it anymore, and there's a good reason. Well, two good reasons. One, it didn't really suit. And the other is, I'm not a good enough driver. When I got it, the first thing somebody said to me was, now you've got to be a really good driver. People who know me might know I'm not always the best driver. I might be one of those people, and Liz said it yesterday, I might not have been in an accident, but I might also see a lot of accidents. If you want to do it, you've got to back it up. And it's the same with us. If we want to talk about love, we've absolutely got to back it up. And when people see us, and wherever they see us, and that could be doing our shopping in Morrison, Tesco, Lidl, or wherever you choose to shop, or it could be when we're out and about on the street, or it could be when we're in our metal cars and we're tempted by that little bit of road rage, which you get quite a lot of the moments, a lot of traffic lights about, and it is infuriating. Or you're running late, or you're having a bad day, or the rain is pouring, whatever it is, people still expect us to be loving. And they should expect us to be loving as well. And I'm aware that even saying the word love sounds a bit nice. And old puppy dogs and ice cream. And really what we want to see that should be driving the church is bigger things than that. But love is really the most powerful thing. To take it all the way back to the beginning, love created a blinking universe. God created us all in love. And love is the thing that changes the world. It's a cliche, but it's true. Love changes all. Love changes the church. Love changes us. And all that other stuff will pass away. But love will always remain. And we need to be marked by love. And yes, it's a simple thing. Yes, it's a basic thing. Yes, the simplest thing that we can do in all of Christendom and in Christianity. But are we truly loving? Do people think of our church, our churches, our LMA and think love? Do people look at us and think love? And if not, why not? And when it comes to why not, what are we doing about it? the best thing that we can do is turn to God, to spend time with God and be changed by him and allow our hearts to be changed by him, to remember what his word says, to spend time in prayer, in praise and worship, hold each other to account and hold ourselves to account as well. Know that we're not perfect but know also that we are forgiven. Love comes from the Lord. Love is in us. If we really want to see our churches grow, simple as it is, that's the first thing that we've got to get right. Paul mentioned it first in the fruit of the Spirit for one reason. It's the biggest one. 
we screw up on this, all the other stuff falls flat. Love is the essence of who we are. God is love. May we be loving. We're going to pray now that the Lord would stir, but we're going to pray for love to be spread across the world, our community, and everything else as well. And I just encourage you just to do what makes you feel comfortable when it comes to pray. And whether that's close your eyes, put your hands together, open your eyes, put your hands together, put your hands out, lean back a little, kneel, whatever it is, and ask that the Lord would come and meet with you individually, us as a church, and that heaven would touch us, and that sense of God's love would be with us. So let's pray.